Welcome to House of Wrestling, the flagship show of HouseOfWrestling.com, the brand new pro wrestling news and content brand brought to you by none other than me, Nick Hausman, your host here of House of Wrestling, and I am very pleased to welcome to the first ever edition of House of Wrestling, the flagship here premiering on the premiere streaming network. It's a premiere on a premiere, and I am joined by Paul E. Pratt. Paul, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. Absolutely. It's good to be back together, Nick, and good to talk wrestling. And I want to apologize, Paul, because you asked me to change it to Paul E. Pratt on the Chiron here, and I had this graphic design last night. I don't yet have the ability to edit it. So for today, you're just Paul Pratt, but I wanted to make sure that E, like Paul E. Heyman, uh, got into the show at least in audio form. You know, I could never use my name as a wrestling gimmick because of the fact that my name actually is Paul E. Pratt, and it's sort of already taken. So. Hey. But this for is, journalistic purposes, I use it because it breaks up that bump bump. Yeah, well, this is the dangerous alliance here today. Me and Paul, we are going to chop it up. We're going to talk the news. We're going to do a WrestleMania 39 preview. We're going to preview a little bit of Ring of Honor Supercard. Later in the show, we're going to air a clip from uh, my interview with Dax Harwood from FTR. Uh, I'm going to air you the three minutes where he, you know, opens up about how he's weighing the decision between WWE and AEW. Uh, obviously, they've made that decision, so we're going to listen to his comments. We'll talk a little bit about that later on before we get to the outro. And as a bonus, if you're listening to the show in podcast form on all the podcast feeds, uh, you could go over and uh, here at the very end of the show is a bonus bit of audio. I'm going to throw in the Billy Starks interview that I did in its entirety. It is not the best audio because I had not gotten my new equipment yet. I didn't even know if I was going to release it, but hey, it's a premiere. I want to give you guys something special. So thank you for tuning in live. First run here on Premier Streaming Network. You go subscribe over on the podcast. You'll get a little bit, little bit more. Um, of course, this is a brand new endeavor here. House of Wrestling. What is House of Wrestling? Uh, like I said, we are a pro wrestling news and content source. Go to houseofwrestling.com. You can find all kind of news, editorials, uh, interviews, exclusives. Uh, I'm going to be doing my best to, to keep the site up to date every day. It is just me manning the hatches here at the moment over on the site. But I think you guys are going to love what we got over there. And, of course, like I said, we're on all the podcast platforms. We're on all your social media platforms. And I am going to be on the ground in Los Angeles here starting Wednesday uh, covering uh, WWE WrestleMania 39 media events, covering Ring of Honor Supercard. I'm going to try my best to get out to all of the indie shows that I can, but it's going to be a very busy weekend. And, Paul, I know you're going to be in town uh, in L.A. as well. You live in L.A., so it's not like you're having to fly in. What's I your... live in San Francisco, Nick. Oh, sorry. You live in San Francisco. I have to, I have to drive in. It's, it's like a... it's like Houston and Dallas, where I'm like, oh, they're so close. But if you live in Texas, you're like, no, those are those are hours apart. Hours and hours for both instances. Yeah. Well, you're California based. So what are you going to be getting into, Paul? What's your schedule look like? Oh man, I of course I have uh WrestleCon on Friday, March 31st, which is super exciting to me. It's my first time at a WrestleCon. Effie's Big Gay Brunch on Saturday, April 1st, 11 a.m. That night, I will be attending Dresselmania, hosted by Mick Foley, produced by Mickey James, SoCal Val, and Lisa Marie Varon. That's going to be a very exciting fundraising event. And then Sunday, I'll be at the Los Angeles premiere of Out in the Ring, which is a fantastic documentary, which I participated in a number of years ago, which traces the LGBTQ plus you know, contributions and influence in the world of professional wrestling. A very packed weekend. And that does not include all of the various 
wrestling shows I actually plan to or want to attend aside from the ones I'm booked on. I wanted to be a big gay brunch, but it's head to head with stand and deliver. And I got to go to that because they're doing a, a press conference afterwards. Yeah, well, you know what? Everything down there is a, it's a battle of decisions and a battle of choices. There's so many programs, so many events, so many companies that are producing high quality wrestling that weekend. You kind of can't go wrong no matter where you go. All right. Well, hey, uh, it's going to be a great weekend. Go find Paul. Come find me. Come find both of us if you can. Uh, we're going to have a great time down there. Um, and with that, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to spend any more time in the intro. Let's get right to it here. Uh, I got a little bit of news you can use. News that'll leave a bruise before we get into the WrestleMania and ROH Supercard stuff. Now, Moxley uh, sat down with his wife Renee Paquette uh, last night. I'm guessing or recently. It dropped just this morning. It's only a couple hours old. Uh, to talk to uh, Moxley talks to Renee about this Instagram post that CM Punk put up and deleted within a couple minutes last week, where Punk uh, basically alleges that Moxley or not, yeah, I mean, from his side of the story, Moxley came to him with this Rocky thing, you know, this this concept, and and you know, Moxley and Co Tony Khan are asking Punk to out to work injured as part of the allegations. Uh, he makes sure to go off and 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 call Dave Meltzer a liar. He called. Chris Jericho, a liar and a stooge, had to put a little cherry on top of that one. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Moxley uh, on Renee's podcast this morning basically comes out. He's talking about the time in which Punk is uh, referencing. Uh, Moxley very candidly says at that point in time, as he was the sitting AEW champion, he was not even under a contract with AEW. And he was just doing business the way he was taught. Uh, you know, he showed up. Uh, if, if he's got to put this guy over on pay-per-view, it's going to be best for AEW, best for Tony. He's going to do it, even though he didn't have to. He's under no contract, no obligation from his perspective. He still shows up, did what he thought was right, uh, made some shots at Punk about how he was hobbling around on one foot while still working with the Jericho Appreciation Society. And most interestingly, I think, from the comments, we're going to have full coverage up here on the site here in just a second, uh, shortly after we finish recording here and this, this show goes live. Um he he goes like I've never he says I've never said a bad word about AEW. I don't like to talk negatively about AEW, but he does go out of his way to note that he's never seen in all of his years in professional wrestling, WWE developmental, the indies, main roster, whatever, he's never seen this much drama in a pro wrestling locker room in his entire career. So uh first of all, um you were were you supposed to be on Renee's podcast today and you got bumped because of John or no? <laughs> well, um, that's breaking news. I, I have been keeping that under my hat. I will be on next Tuesday. Oh, okay. Nobody knew that. I broke that here. Yeah. Yeah. That's been a big secret. Oh, but, great. Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> yes. So I will. I will be on Renee's podcast next week. And I think that, um, I, she inadvertently told me that I was supposed to be on today, but it's easy to forget that you have uh, this massive exclusive when you're married to the massive exclusive. That's true. He is a massive exclusive, is one John Moxley. So you're going to be on next Tuesday, which is great. Breaking news here. Hey, look at that. We're, we're less than 10 minutes into our premiere on the premiere streaming network. We got breaking news here. Paul's going to be, are you going to be Paul or are you going to be Polio? On the I'm going to be Polio Del Mar, okay. the manager of champions, champion of managers, your two time, two time QWI award winning pro wrestling personality of the year. Okay. We got Paul E. Pratt here on House of Wrestling. You're going to get, you're going to get Paul, you're going to get Polio next Tuesday on, on the sessions. All right. So that all out of the way. What do you think about the back and forth here with, with Punk and and, uh, and and Moxley? I'm I'm genuinely kind of surprised by this because I, I I thought that the WWE main roster guys were coming over and were largely getting along. I had kind of 
uh, I had the way it had been painted to me was more of like uh, AEW Originals versus Punk. This seems to be more complicated than that. I don't know. What do you think about this situation? There, there's a couple of things that come to mind with this. First and foremost, I think that Punk has a history of turmoil no matter what locker room he's in. So even though many of the people who were in WWE together and had this brotherhood or men mentality, Punk's been gone for a long time. You know, he was gone for seven years. He was not part of that recent kind of brotherhood. And if any indication from his past is that he does have this kind of problematic, troubled relationship with people, it would seem. But the other part of what Moxley states in that conversation with Renee is that, you know, he does not consider, he doesn't, he said he didn't really want to talk in depth about it even because yeah. the, the fact for him is that somebody posting a drunk tweet or which obviously is not punk being seen. And, and did that come across as a little shot or it came across as a weird little jab at punk when he said a drunk tweet there, but anyway, I, I didn't necessarily think that, that he was talking about him specifically because this isn't the first time somebody has said something off the cuff, you know, and people talked about it. What, what Moxley brings up is that this kind of thing, he doesn't even consider news people, you know, say whatever they're going to say on social media. That's not really news. But, you know, then all of a sudden people get sucked into it because people want to talk about it. That to me, that concept of people saying whatever on their social media and that becoming the headline in the world of wrestling, that is something that stands out to me too, because people say whatever they want to say on socials without a, a second thought about it. And if you're a CM Punk, all of a sudden it becomes the headline for a week. It It is it is a stink that AEW just can't seem to shake, right? Like, despite their best efforts, you know, you can have a Kenny Omega versus uh, Vikingo match, and it is going to burn the house down, and it will be relevant for about eight hours until people go back to wondering about what is going on behind those curtains at AEW right now. I, I it, you know, Punk is called for it. Uh, Dax is called for it. When are we going to sit down? When are we going to hash this out? Uh, I've said it a couple other times recently, but I'll say it one more time. I want to know what happened in the four to six weeks leading up to All Out. You know, I want to know what that dynamic's like. How did it get so bad? How bad is it? How did it get so bad that, you know, these guys can't even sit down and talk and figure it out? I, 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 I'm, look, I, they got tons of money. This is only pride and ego here. I, I don't know what's so bad in this situation that nothing can be resolved and business can't be done. You know, I'm, I'm very confused by that. One of the things that certainly stands out to me, though, is it's hard to amend any kind of relationship. We, we would have imagined that there was a healing process from the all out fallout till this point. And then there could have been healing. There could have been negotiation and discussion and conversation happening. And then Punk turns around and does this. And somebody's like, this is exactly why I don't want to deal with you. Yeah. You know, that, that Instagram post, it, if it were somebody in my personal life and I had been going through issues with that person and we were almost to a place where things could settle down. And can then I, can I can I just say that? OK, so like Dave Meltzer has been reporting things about punk. Right. And, and when Meltzer reports things about punk, they get aggregated. They start to be interpreted as fact. Right. And I don't get the vibe that punk is talking to Meltzer when Meltzer is sourcing his stories. I get the vibe that people that may not like punk are often Dave's source for his stories. And and that's, you know, no knock on Dave sources of sources, take what you can get. 
Hopefully it works out for the best. But I do I do wonder about because Punk doesn't come across to me as like a political creature behind the scenes. So when he's lashing out like this, it's because there's something happening behind the scenes where he doesn't feel heard, right? And this is the way I think he feels heard. And it creates this awful communication method, right? And I don't know but, if you're, but I, I mean, what if you're a Tony Khan, this thing's been going on for months. How do you not nip this in the bud, Paul? Again, two points of contention here. One is that I would say, what does it require for CM Punk to feel heard? And it, the way it increasingly comes across is that for CM Punk to feel heard, you have to do what CM Punk but is telling you to do. But if Jericho or Buck, they want to speak through Dave, right, publicly, they're speaking publicly through Dave. Punk's not talking publicly through anybody except, as we know now, CM Punk. And that's where I wonder about this kind of, like, weird... I don't know. Like those guys need to stop talking to Dave too, right? Like it's it goes both ways here, man. You know, absolutely correct. And the 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 flip side of what I was saying is that the one of the reasons that Moxley points out that he never experienced this stuff in WWE developmental or WWE as a whole is because I can promise you, people in WWE would have clamped down on this immediately, and that's in huge part because. There is a culture in WWE where WWE controls or better controls people's social media interactions. They probably have severe guidelines by which they require people to follow, you know, things of that nature. AEW is a bit of a free for all. Yes, agreed. Uh, before we wrap this up and get to the, the Mania preview, um, I did want to talk to you about obviously the Tennessee drag laws and everything because you worked there a lot. But you're going to talk to because I spoiled it. You're going to talk to Renee about it next week. Should should I just let everybody hear you have that conversation with her next week? I would week? love for that. I would okay, love then, to know because I I think that that became the heart of our conversation. You okay. know, ultimately. Okay. Well, then we'll save it for next Tuesday. You and Renee go check it out. I am so happy for you and I'm excited, Paul. Go support him. All right, let's move off the Moxley Punk Renee stuff. We promised you a WrestleMania preview prediction show here. Uh, I've gone ahead and I kind of broke the Mania card into chunks. It's like five chunks here. Um, the first chunk we're going to look at is the topic. We're going to look at the Bloodline storyline. So the Bloodline actually occupies like two spaces this year at WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to get Cody versus the Tribal Chief Roman Reigns, obviously. And then also you're going to get KO and Zayn versus the Usos. Now, I put these two together because do you think that if – do you think there's a, a potential like – Roman retains, Uso lose, or Uso's retain, Roman loses, or do you think it's all or none with the bloodline at WrestleMania? My prediction would be that um, the bloodline is displaced in both of these roles. Yeah. In, in, my, in my estimation, that is something that is almost required to, to make this story go to another level. They're obviously going to continue the story. It's the best content that they have, the most consistent it would seem like um, uh, an across-the-board loss for the bloodline is going to cause them to have to take everything to the next level to reassert themselves. Agreed. And it would be a big – I mean, it's it's right there right now. I feel like the fans want it. Cody Rhodes made that line about how we're in the customer service business on Raw. I thought that was a, a very interesting tell. Um, it feels to me like everything's going to fall here for the bloodline, and uh, we're going to get a great moment probably with Cody, KO, and Sammy all in the ring together with all their titles to close out night two of WrestleMania, right? I, I don't know that we're going to see all three of them in the ring together, but I certainly think that 
on each of these nights, we are going to see that big crowning moment. People have honestly been aching for a Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn tag team run for a very, very long time because there will never be, in my estimation, two people who've had separate careers in WWE who are so intimately tied from day one to probably the day they both leave. And, you know, with, with Cody here, too, there's so many more fresh opponents. Like, Roman's wrestled everybody a couple times now, right? Like, I don't know how many times during his title reign he's feuded with Drew McIntyre, but I feel like it's at least three. And, you know, the, the amount of matches you can have with Cody in the top main event picture with that title, very different. I mean, if if Roman were to retain, I mean, you got you, the only only possible thing I could think is Dwayne The Rock Johnson said, not this year, next year. I promise you WrestleMania 40 will finally do it. And this thing, Bruno Mar San Martino style, gets extended for one more year. That's the only possible reason I could think that Roman Reigns would retain at WrestleMania. The, there is a thought in the back of my head that they may not want it to be so incredibly predictable. But when your catchphrase is complete the story or finish the story, if you don't finish the story, it's really, really underwhelming. So... I think it's fairly well written in the stars. I think we would have potentially gotten to this point much earlier had Cody not been injured. And this would probably be Cody defending at WrestleMania in my estimation and Roman taking it back. But all of that got delayed. Uh, we'll move into our second block here. I call this the celebrity block. We got two matches this year that celebrities got called in for. Now, they're not real. Like, um, what I think is interesting is in years past where you get a celebrity like a Floyd Mayweather or somebody who's really just coming in just to do this in, out, one match. The the celebrities, quote unquote, this year are wrestlers who are, they're not, they're not part, I mean, they're part-time, right? It's John Cena versus Austin Theory and Logan Paul versus Seth Rollins. But Logan and John, I mean, they're capable of good matches. It's not like we're going to get some weird, you know, William Refrigerator Perry thing. Totally. You know, you know what I'm saying here? Like we're going to, oh, we're absolutely. probably going to get, we're probably going to get good celebrity matches this time of year at WrestleMania. I would think that these are going to be two of the standouts. You know, these individuals have both respectively proven that they can go. And, and it's absurd to even say that about John Cena. John Cena is a proven legendary commodity. He's coming back to, in my estimation, put over the next big thing. And I think a lot of people are drawing correlations between Cena and Austin Theory and where they are projected to go over the course of time. I don't necessarily disagree with it. Austin Theory will get a big victory in the biggest match of his career. Uh, I, I hope Austin Theory does. I'm not 100% sold. I do. I think Seth Rollins is going to beat Logan Paul. Like Logan Paul, I think, it, I, think, I think he may know or somebody may have told him time to start giving back a little bit right like he shows up and he's always got a big deal i know he lost to roman but you're in the you're in the title picture in your second match that's that's kind of a big push on its own he's been leaning more into the heel side of his character which i know that when he first came into the company he didn't want to be presented as a heel here he am he's full-on heel i i'm picking rollins here to go over logan paul at wrestlemania mm, i think that logan paul would make an outstanding um first tier opponent for Cody Rhodes to get him through the first couple months if they want to redirect mm. with somebody who's a really big name I'm gonna go with Logan Paul see and the person I think is actually gonna maybe feud with Cody coming right out of Wrestlemania is not even on this card 
And uh, I'm actually pegging Damian Priest to get uh, a nod uh, going into Backlash because he's he's so central to all the Judgment Day stuff, right? And he's not he's kind of I feel like he's laying back, waiting for something, maybe knowing something is there. But his buddy Bad Bunny's hosting Backlash in Puerto Rico. How you can't heat up a Damian Priest to be the first, uh, you know, I hate to say small boss on the way to the big boss, whatever you want to say, but. Damian Priest, Cody Rhodes, that lights me up. I, I'm going to be upset if I don't see the backlash, honestly. That, I mean, that that's a possibility, I would assume. But um, that is not a match that necessarily would be a marquee match for me, but it's very easy to make that a marquee match. Oh, it's Sami Zayn Elimination Chamber all over again. I was reading that report that uh, Fightful put out the other day about how, how WWE is picking how to do their, their PLE events. When they went into Montreal, they knew they were going to do the Sami thing. It was more about a thematic type. Uh, presentation that's the vibe i'm getting but anyway but austin theory john cena i don't know man like cena i don't know he seems he seems very uh mercurial these days does he want to put over i don't know i don't get the i don't i can't tell if he actually likes austin theory or not do you think that he's doing to theory what Dwayne put him through when cena started shooting his mouth off about how he wanted the match with The Rock, and like for years The Rock didn't want that match. Do you remember all that drama? I don't re- specifically remember all of that. I I would say that one of the things that Cena might be conflicted with here is that after a period of time, a wrestler has to a person, whether he's a celebrity now, who started as a wrestler, has to to begin asking like, well, how many times can you trot me out and not give me a victory? not have me succeed on these high levels before people don't take me credibly anymore. And that is where I would think that John Cena might be because we've seen him, you know, come back, make these comebacks, get these opportunities, which he's of course as deserving of as any legend would be at this point and then not succeed. So does it begin to harm his credibility or his drawing factor? Because people know he's presumably not going to win. That would be the only thing that to me would give Austin Theory a a boost. But by my estimation, if they want to cement Austin Theory as the next big thing, he has to go through Cena. Yeah, well, I'm not not 100% on that one yet. I don't know. There's just something in the water where I'm just, something in the promos. I'm just not totally sold yet. Um, All right, next block here. Marquee women's matches. We will have another women's match. We'll, We'll lump into another category in a little while. But the marquee women's matches, of course, Huge six-woman match, Trish, Lita, Becky versus Damage Control. Then you got your title matches, Bianca Belair defending against Asuka and Charlotte Flair defending against Rhea Ripley. I uh, I think this is maybe on paper one of the best setups for women at WrestleMania like ever. It's not just one big marquee match with like uh, some, you know, throwaway stuff on the other. These are three meaty, meaningful matches that I'm I'm very much looking forward to, Paul. It is a. It's really nice, in my, from my perspective, that we do not have the same women. We have all the same women that we're expecting, but they're not all clumped together, mm-hmm. and that is something that's refreshing. Because for the longest time, we knew that it would be some combination of the the four horsewomen in those roles, and it just started to feel ultra stale. So separating everybody out giving people their own space, their own opportunities to tell stories has been a very nice way to continue to build these women, keep them showcased and spotlighted and to make it feel refreshed. 
is Oscar the person? Do you think Oscar gets her moment at Mania? She might. I I'm not calling for that. I see. That's the thing. That match is really that's fifty. That's a fifty fifty for me with Bianca Oscar there. To me, it's it's about um, a 60-40, Okay. Because see, I think it's ninety ten that Bria is going to beat Charlotte at this point, especially after whatever happened on SmackDown where Charlotte had a complete mental breakdown. The crowd went and lived in her head there for about five minutes. Uh, I, I, I've got to go Rhea, man. It feels, I mean, after the rumble win, she's never been more over the storyline just seems there for Rhea Ripley to beat Charlotte. Right. I would 100% agree with that. Rhea Ripley's first time with a solo, you know, as a champion on one of the main roster brands, it came too fast for her. It was not, it, it was poorly received with no, in my estimation, no forethought given to where they go with this after here. This is a, she has received a tremendous and consistent build that has become very organic. She has become truly the breakout star of judgment day. You know, the de facto leader in many ways where they are backing her because she is the most consistently powerful member of that group. Yeah, I don't know. I think a case could be made for Dom. And we'll talk about Dom here a little bit. He's he's certainly taking a I mean, Rhea is Rhea and is over, but Dom is stepping up in a way right now where I just I wasn't expecting it. We'll talk more about Dom here in just a second. All right, lastly are the six woman tag match in the women's block. Trish Lee to Becky versus damage control. I actually wrote an editorial on the site that about this match that I really it's like a it's an outside the box, maybe not too far outside the box. But I, I would love to see Roxanne Perez get involved in this match. I think it is mysterious how she was taken off of WWE NXT TV, right? Title is seemingly being taken off of her. Uh, we all know it's a work by all accounts, right? She's not actually injured by any stretch of the imagination. So why would they take Roxanne Perez mysteriously off of WWE TV, uh, NXT TV, about six weeks before WrestleMania, have her drop this title, give him enough time to put it on somebody else that's saying to deliver. What if Bailey went and visited Roxanne Perez at the hospital and said, you are getting nowhere being a good guy. Look at you. You went and, you, you went and worked your ass off to go fight this crazy Japanese legend. What, what, where'd it get you? You're in the hospital now. You pushed yourself too hard. You don't need to work this hard. I'm going to give you a steel chair. You're going to join damage control. You're going to help me beat these legends and Becky Lynch. You're going to be a big star. That's what I want to see. I want to see Roxanne Perez run to the aid of damage control and help them beat these these uh, these legends across the ring. And one of the big reasons I write about in the A, it makes, I think, some degree of sense. I think it would be a big debut for Roxanne Perez. But I love the idea of, of Bailey always looking towards the NXT women's division, right? Like EO, Dakota. Now you could bring in Roxanne Perez. Maybe they don't always stay together. Maybe people cycle out. Maybe they eventually try to take over Bailey. Maybe Bailey goes. I mean, she has already kind of gone back down to NXT. Um, and if you look at Roxanne Perez's uh, Twitter page, the, right before her last update, the retweet right below that is about Bailey. I swear to God, go check it out for yourself. There's a lot of red string and, and thumbtacks here. So I, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go outside the box here. I'm picking damage control, and I'm saying, I'm saying with the assist from Roxanne Perez. Well, I haven't given it that much thought. Um, I, I would say that it really will depend on what the plans for these individuals are afterwards. I think that that's important to take into consideration. Where do these people go after 
you know, we still have um, the women's titles on Amy as well. You know, I'm sorry, Lita, as well as um, uh, Becky there. So where does this all go and where is it going to be leading to after if they're going to continue doing something with this program between the four of, you know, the six of these individuals, then I think for myself, I would go with the legends winning with the, the comeuppance coming later on. But I, I don't really know where they're planning to go with this. Heels over dirty. There's no reason for Becky or there's no reason for Lita and Trish to get a win. They got their wins. They've had their mania moments. I'm going damage control on this one. All right. Next block. I call this the attractions block. All right. This is this not attractions to me at all. Okay. All right. Here's the attractions block. All right. Brock Lesnar versus Omos. Edge versus the demon Finn Balor inside Hell in a Cell. And of course, Mysterio versus Mysterio. These are all the, these aren't tight. Well, I don't think they're title matches. They're going to be like, no, not title matches, just matches put together. By with wrestlers who seemingly have some reason to be fighting each other. Now, obviously, Edge and Finn, there's reason there, right? That story's been going on for almost a year now. The Mysterios, been going on like 24, 24 years, right? That one makes a lot of sense. I think you're talking about Brock versus Omos is maybe the one that doesn't grab you here, right? Absolutely correct. It really, because I'm kind of on the hook now. I can't, I can't imagine anybody being on the hook for this. I want to see. Well, see, the thing is, I is Brock going to put this guy over? Like, now, kinda... that is the question. That's that's a more intriguing question than anything relating to how this match goes down. The outcome, will Brock put this guy over? Or will Brock be the final nail in this guy's career's coffin? Because if he does not win this match, that, that persona, that this giant is dead in the water. Exactly. And you know, the reporting going into this, again, I believe it was from Fightful, Vince McMahon pushed for this match. He wanted Brock versus Omos. We know Brock loves Vince and will do whatever Vince wants, right? And this is about as old school as it gets for Vince McMahon. He learned this from his dad. You have a giant. How do you book giants? You have them beat imposing people. You never need to really put the title on them, but you just need to make sure they look dominant. And for exactly the reason you just said, Paul, that's what makes me intrigued. That's what puts me on the hook for this one is, is Brock Lesnar going to put over Omas? I think that's, I think that's possible. I go 60, 40 favor Omas on this one. It's very possible. In fact, it's even plausible that he will do it. Of all the people they could invest this in, Omas is not the person. Um, you know, Omas has been, when he got defeated by Braun Strowman in such a lackluster match at whatever pay-per-view that was, was it the Royal Rumble? I believe or, it was. Yes. yes. That was it for me. I was done. You know, Omas manages to dominate for like three minutes and then one power slam and it's over for him. I was done with him. So I'm picking Finn Balor to beat Edge here in the Hell in a Cell match just because Edge is on his way out. We know he's going to be retiring here um, in less than a year, maybe like six months or whatever since he made the announcement. He's on his farewell tour. I, I, maybe he wants one more big WrestleMania moment, but he's won the title at WrestleMania. You got to know that he wanted to work with Finn Balor. He wanted to have this match. He wanted to heat this guy up. And you talk about possible opponents on the other side of WrestleMania for Cody Rhodes. Uh, uh, Finn Balor, a hot Finn Balor. Coming out of uh, with Judgment Day, coming out of a win over Edge inside Hell in a Cell, uh, 
certainly a great, great person to have in the wings for Cody. I, I would agree with that unless the rumors, if you will, that Vince is taking a greater control of the booking (laughs) are true because it's just a proven commodity, a proven fact that Vince does not care for Finn Balor. That's fair. That's fair. And uh, again, what we're going to, we're going to see who really does control the book here. I think at mania based on the results. But lastly here, the mysterious versus mysterious, man, this has got to be one of my favorite things. WWE has done a long time. I was salivating at that punch right through uh, on SmackDown on Dom, finally getting it going. It's exact, you know, and it's like Dom is taking himself seriously. Physically. He looks different than he did a year ago. He's more muscular. He's put on a little weight, Uh, the demeanor, the tone, the intensity, there's something here, man. The, the light bulbs are starting to go over uh, off over this this kid's head, and I hope he beats his dad. I hope he beats him. I hope he beats him. I hope he retires him. I hope the whole group comes out and lights Rey Mysterio on fire and sets his ashes off into the wind. That's what I would like. Well, I do think that Dom is going to get this victory. I think that Dom needs this victory more than his dad does, obviously. And I would say that we are going to be going in the direction of Dominic having that that feather in his cap as he moves forward. And I, I will say that in so many ways, this is and has been necessary for a very long time because, you know, the Nepo baby thing was so blatant with this. Dom was getting a lot of opportunities that he honestly did not deserve at the level that he received them at that point in his career. Now he's finally starting to come into his own. Now he's beginning to prove where we could see him in the future. Maybe this is an opportunity to change some minds about him. Yeah, I hope so. I'm, I'm, I'm really rooting for him. I think Dom is really, really growing into his own and I'm, I'm a big fan of what he's doing. All right. Last block here. I call this the miscellaneous block. Um, I put Sheamus versus McIntyre versus Gunther for the IC title in here. And then both the men's and women's showcase matches. And real quickly, just so you know, women's WrestleMania showcase match is going to have Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez versus Natalia and Shotzi versus Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler versus Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville. The men's WrestleMania showcase match will have Braun and Ricochet versus the Street Profits versus Alpha Academy versus the Viking Raiders. Let's start with the men's showcase match here real quick i hope the street profits get this victory here they they are right there on the cusp of really i I mean they're already so over but they need a moment something big and i hope they get it here at wrestlemania they would seem the intuitive choice for me simultaneous to that i also think that they are on the cusp of no longer being a pairing Mm -hmm. they keep teasing that and keep teasing that so would it benefit them to get this victory? I mean, they want that moment. They need that moment, perhaps. But the, you know what? Why would it matter? Because none of these teams are going anywhere, in my opinion. So <laughs> wow, like, like yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that you know the pairings. I do think that the Street Profits will presumably be separated in the not too distant future to begin building one or both of those individuals, but. Um, yeah, this is, these four teams are, are not at the pinnacle of this company. Um, well, on the other side, the women's showcase, I mean, it's, it's gotta be Rousey Baszler, right? I would hope because I think that that team has the most 
chance, opportunity, and upside to be really developed into something kind of cool. Yeah, and last year with this IC title match, I almost put the IC title match in the attraction match just because of, you know, everyone involved and kind of the way it came together. But um, I think it, I think Gunther, I think Gunther's going to walk away this run, right? I mean, they've been building this guy up so much. He was so great in the Rumble. Sheamus and Drew ain't going to lose one iota of credibility with a, with a loss to Gunther. I, I think that he gets a big moment here. I would, in this instance, hope so. <laughs> I I'm 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 beginning to I'm beginning to think that they are looking at him because his intercontinental title reign has been going for quite some time. Yeah. And I don't I don't know exactly the day count on it. I'll find out. But you know, they like to break people's records and the honky tonk man has held that longest reign in history for a very 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 long time. Gunther is approaching that, I would think. Um, so this would be a great opportunity for him. And he is somebody who, by just sheer virtue, in my opinion of being in this role for so long has gained significant credibility that whenever he does lose that title could easily be moved right up into, um, a challenge for, I'm going to say Cody Rhodes, uh, in the near future. So uh, it looks like, if I got this right, Gunther is at 291 days with the Intercontinental title. The longest reign under the WWE banner is 351 days. Oh, that's the U.S. title. That's not the Intercontinental title. One second. The Intercontinental title's longest reign is about 14 months with Honky Tonk Man. Let me see. Longest reigning. Intercontinental title. Inter Intercontinental champion of all time. All right. Uh Oh, wait, wait. Gunther is officially the longest reigning Intercontinental After 281 days and counting, this was 10 days ago. This is from Fightful. Gunther is now the longest reigning WWE IC champion since 1988 when the reign of the Honky Tonk Man came to a close. So he's already got the record. Mm, no. If he's, is he only been 10 months, eight months? Well, it says even though Honky Tonk Man still holds the record for longest running title reign with the title at 454 days, as champion, Gunther has support. Oh, so wait, I'm very confused by this writing. This doesn't make any sense. No, Honky Tonk Man has reigned for about uh, 14, 15 months yeah, as long. Intercontinental Champion in 1987 to 1988. He is the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion of all time. Mm -hmm. Yes, at 454 days. Or, yeah, Honky Tonk Man holds the longest reign at 454 days. So he's still like a... He's still a couple months Six away months. from Six months away from it. Yeah, a couple months. A couple but months. the way they have booked him, they booked him very solidly. You know, he's surpassed these challenges. They're getting to a point with him almost like they've reached with Roman Reigns where they have not developed anybody significantly enough to actually seem like a really, truly credible challenger to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, well, let's flip over here to ROH Supercard. Uh, we won't spend too much time on this. Uh, admittedly, I'm still like kind of catching up on Ring of Honor. It's 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 a tough brand to keep up with right now because it's not free. You got to pay money to watch this show each month. Are you a subscriber to ROH Honor Club yet or no? Absolutely not. Okay, so you have no idea what's going on with any of these matches. So then I will just say here real quick, I'm going to run I, down the I, mean, I catch up with whatever is going on on AEW programming. But nothing that is specific to the the AEW Ring of Honor 
brand. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how this brand pans out for Tony. Anyway, I'm going to run through the card here real quick. First of all, you're going to have the Reach for the Sky ladder match. Bunch of teams involved. Lucha Brothers, Top Flight Kingdom, Aussie Open, La Facion, Ingornables, in the form of Rouge and Drillistico. Uh, and then in the second match, Embassy is going to take the Embassy with Prince Nana in the form of Brian Cage, Khan, and uh, Tawa Leona. It's going to take on AR Fox, Blake Christensen, or Blake Christian, and Metalik. You're also going to get Samoa Joe versus Mark Briscoe for the ROH World Television title. Athena versus Yuka Sakazaki for the ROH Women's World Championship. Wheeler Utah is going to put the ROH Pure Championship on the line against Shibata. Al Io Del Vikingo is going to take on Commander for the AAA Mega Championship. And in the main event, Claudio Castagnoli is going to take on Eddie Kingston for the ROH World Championship. Even not really following any of the stories, there's some interesting matches here, right? Samoa Joe, Mark Briscoe. Viking Vikingo coming off that match with Omega versus Commander. Uh Yuta Shibata. That's gonna that's gonna slap. And of course, I'm interested to see what happens with Claudio and Eddie. Not necessarily for the action, which I'm sure will be good, but just the politics. Again, it's like I'm more interested in the backstage intrigue. Eddie Kingston blasting MJF and then mysteriously being moved to Ring of Honor. Is he being used to warm up Claudio? Was this a long-term plan? I don't really know. <laughs> I, I I will honestly tell you I don't believe even when they tell people that uh, you know when Tony Khan says oh this was a long term plan I don't believe any of that I don't think there is a long term plan I I do not think that's true that's my opinion okay. but I will say that there are many matches on this card that are absolutely going to be showstoppers in my estimation based on exclusively the talents involved and i think that some of the matches i'm would be very interested in watching i like you know the multi-team team reach for the sky matched for the new ring of honor championships tag team titles we're gonna that's a guarantee we're gonna see a new champion there it's a, an interesting question to see which of those teams is going to walk out of there they've been toying with some of these younger talents like the top flight i don't think they deserve to be in this role or position but they definitely have the ability to have that high kind of high flying match that would be perfect for this. Um, who are you calling in that match? Who do you think? I, I want I want the kingdom to take it. I want Taven and Bennett. I think that when you're when you're trying to define Ring of Honor, I think you gotta you gotta at least early build around Ring of Honor names and then maybe have those Ring of Honor names start to put over people you're trying to work into your Ring of Honor product. Taven and Bennett. They can carry those titles. Give them some time. They got Maria by their side. There's a lot to like there. I, I would like the kingdom to pick up the win. I also would like that. You know, I, I had the opportunity to work with with Mike and Matt in NWA. And, like, I just love the two of them. They're just fantastic guys. Maria adds so much. And we know that she's going to be intimately involved with the Ring of Honor women's division. So I think that's a great way to reestablish you know, it's it's in a lot of ways it's a reset, right? Like it's it's a reset to bring that to mind for people. Yep, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All right. Well, I'm going to right now uh, flip over to a uh, flip over to some video here um, that we have, Paul. Uh, this is an interview that I did. It's a clip from an interview I did with Dax Harwood. The full interview is up on the House of Wrestling YouTube channel right now. If you go check it out, we have some coverage already up on HouseOfWrestling.com with some quotes. But the clip I'm going to show you it's about three minutes. We're going to watch it together, Paul. And uh, then we'll talk a little bit about after it. In this clip, Dax is going to be talking about uh, the pros and cons of AEW and WWE as FTR weighs where they're going to be going next. Actually, 
in just a few days, three years ago, is when we finally got our release from WWE. Man, and to think about how things have changed since then, you know, uh, yeah. and, and that's the thing is, you know, I, I'll kind of bounce around here a little bit. Obviously, you guys are kind of debating or I guess you're not debating. You made a decision, but the, the territory has changed so much over at WWE. You know, Triple H, somebody you guys worked very well with down at NXT. You guys were two time NXT tag champs. He took great care of you all with booking. He now has the book on the main roster. But there's also kind of that rumor that Vince is also kind of back and you guys obviously had, you know, you're shaving each other's backs there at the end of their events. <laughs> um, you know, where, what do you think about what's going on at WWE right now? How do you feel about the, the creative vibe over there at the moment? Uh, well, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what the creative vibe backstage is. I will say they are producing some pretty, pretty great television. Um, at least obviously with the, the, um, uh, bloodline angle that everyone's talking about um and i see that hunter has put some stock back into some of the um undercard uh, or mid card excuse me uh, uh titles like the intercontinental title and the united states title um so that's all promising uh i will say god dang this is i'm already gonna get myself in trouble nick i will say i feel that wwe could still uh, put a little more stock in their tag team division. And that was our biggest gripe before we left um, is that we wanted the opportunity to, we wanted the opportunity to make more money in WWE, but we wanted the, the opportunity to prove that we could make more money. And to do that, we had to work uh, um, money making angles with tag teams and they weren't pushing the tag team division then. And so I feel now, and I, look, I don't watch the program every week, but the things I see, I still think they could do a lot with the tag team division that they're not doing. Um, so that's, you know, that's stuff I have to think about as well. But then I also have to think in AEW, you know, I feel that. Um, and these are the things that get me in trouble with my podcast, but fuck it, who cares, I guess. Um, sure. I feel that in AEW, listen, we had a great, FTR had a great 2022 I feel that there was a missed opportunity with our momentum. I feel that outside of the Briscoe's angle, we really had, I mean, even that wasn't on television, but outside of that, you know, we had no uh, distinct storylines for television and uh, you know, our, our opportunity to grow as characters uh, just maybe not wasn't it maybe wasn't there like I would have liked it um, so you know there's a lot of factors I have to think about like uh, who I don't want to go somewhere just to be there I want to go somewhere that wants me in cash and that's I think my biggest that was my biggest thought hurdle <laughs> deciding where we were going to go who really wants us and who just wants us away from the competition all right, there you go, Paul. Yep. Dax Harwood. Now, you listen to that man talk. He's going to put his career on the line, him and Cash, against the Guns this Wednesday night on Dynamite. They're either going to take the AEW titles, they're going to leave. You hear him talk right there. What do you think? You think he's staying? Do you think he's going? I think that he is staying. I think they're staying in AEW. Uh, that podcast that he's investing so much in, WWE would probably not even let him do. So, um, but, you know, I'm going to tell you something. When, when I, my takeaway from that was when he was talking about 
how they had this great career defining year in 2022 and expressing the frustration that that his own company of AEW wasn't the place that most of that was happening because they didn't have a role. I'm going to give you inside information. Um, I sat, I sat on the pro wrestling illustrated uh, ratings committee for, you know, their year end type of rankings. Now I wasn't, ex I was not explicitly throughout the entirety of the tag team top 100, which they published this year, but I was called in all the contributors were called in for a conversation when it came to voting number one and number two. And of course, number one and number two were the Usos and FTR. And the argument that was twofold, one that Usos dominated WWE, FTR dominated the rest of the world. But the defining factor was, which made Usos number one and FTR number two, the company that each of those teams worked for how did they position them? The company that they were signed to. WWE positioned the Usos at the top of the card. FTR wasn't even barely seen in AEW. All of their great career-defining moments happened outside of their own contracted company. And that is something I, if I were Dax and Cash, I would be furious about. Like, we are having this amazing, the rest of the world sees us this way. Are you going to present us this way? Because you, as Dax said, squandered our momentum when we first arrived. Well, I don't know that when they first arrived, because when they first arrived, they were during the pandemic and they were put with the bucks and they were coming in on the little truck. Remember? And they had those moments. It feels like it was like over time, their momentum started to stall leading into the end of 2022 when there was a very, uh, and then it was right after the ROH match with the Briscoes, they dropped the triple a titles. They dropped the IWGP titles and they're gone. They're at home making a decision until Dax says, they called Tony Khan and said, hey, we know we only have so much time. We want to come back and do business the right way. I'm not convinced. I'm I'm uh, I hate this. I hate to keep saying 50 50, but I can see how Hunter would definitely want these guys. The Vince, if Vince was not in the picture, if Vince had actually stayed away, then I think it would have been a slam dunk FTR to at WWE. Vince in the weird shadows. That gives me pause for concern. But then I look at man, that gun and I, I know it's wrestling, right? And people are like, oh, you can't read into promos. Dude, I called it when I was watching all the punk page stuff. I was like, there's shit going on here right now. This is fucking weird, okay? Pardon my French. When I watched the guns... That was French? Yeah, thank you. When I watched the oh, guns... Sir. When I watched the guns lay in to FTR by screaming, you are nothing, 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 over and over again. I was like, did the Bucks grab you and ask you to do that? Did I mean... It really, you know, as, as great as it would be for FTR to resign and stay and they win the titles and all that, part of me wonders if Tony Khan just wants a shit ton of heat on the guns, right? Like, they're his guys. Look at it. They're the ones he's, he had to beat the acclaimed. The most overact in the company. Come on now. It, well, it, yes. And th what this reiterates to me is that Tony Khan does bad business because that was a, oh, like, the, the, the guns, I, I don't, they may in the future have something really going on. It is not now. And they, you can put them over as many people as you want. And I don't see it being now, but with FTR, I think one of the hugest determining factors is that AEW will allow them to go on those frequent tours of Japan and Mexico and wrestle the Indies 
and wrestled their idols, the Midnight Express yeah. and all, or you know, the Rock and Roll Express. They will allow them to do all of these things, and in WWE will not. You don't know that they let Shinsuke go do Muda, right? Once, listen. If again, if Vince was not in the picture, it'd be a very different conversation. I agree, but, but that's that I 100% agree. It would be an extremely different conversation. We, we got to wrap this up, but I will just say Hunter's ambition is to have an NXT in every country. And if there was one tag team act you could go send to wrestle down in Mexico, wrestle in Japan, wrestle in the UK, and be your little international NXT ambassador, it would be FTR. Of course, it would be. All right. Anyway. We're done here for today. Premiere episode of House of Wrestling has premiered on the Premiere Streaming Network. I want to thank Premiere Streaming Network so much. Uh, I am hitting the road tomorrow. Uh, next Tuesday and Thursday, we'll start the regular schedule of House of Wrestling shows. I'm not entirely certain what that's going to look like with the rotating cast of characters that want to be involved. But we're going to have content. Paul will always be around, of course. And uh, we're going to be talking about what's coming out of WrestleMania and Ring of Honor next week when I'm back on the show. But in the interim... I'm not going anywhere here on Premier Streaming Network. All of uh, House of Wrestling's coverage or video coverage, all the interviews that I do on Media Row, all of the live streams that I do from Stand and Deliver, both Nights of Mania, ROH Supercard, all of that video content is going to be right here on Premier Streaming Network. So come here. Uh, I got my great videographer that'll be right by my side. We're going to be sending back uh, footage and content as quickly as we can to get it up on the site. Uh, if you go over to houseofwrestling.com, you're going to be able to find uh, written recaps of, uh, you know, meaningful things said to me in these interviews. I'll also be doing uh, posts throughout the week uh, covering things that I see and hear on the ground. I'll be up in the press box during uh, Mania. I'll be writing posts then. So just stay tuned to Premier Streaming Network and, and HouseOfWrestling.com uh, over the next week to get all of your uh, NXT, Mania, ROH, everything in between coverage. Uh, Paul, anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the show today? Hey, if you are one of the many, many, many fans that are going to be in Los Angeles, please do try to connect with me. I would love to meet as many of you as possible. And of course, I, you know, I don't want to ever look past this weekend, but I am looking towards being in your own hometown, Nick, on April 7th and 8th for the NWA 312 pay-per-view Friday, April 7th, and then two days of T or two sets of TV tapings on April 8th. If you are in the Chicago area, come out and check us out. You can get tickets on nwatix.com. I would love to see you there, too. Awesome. Uh, I'm at Nick underscore Houseman over on Twitter, at Wrestling House, H-A-U-S, over on Twitter to follow House of Wrestling. Uh, thank you all so much. Again, every Tuesday, Thursday, noon Eastern, find us here on the Premier Streaming Network. And if you're subscribed to House of Wrestling in podcast form on any podcast platform, you can always catch the show on replay and audio form uh, there. And uh, for you today, as a little bonus, if you go over to the podcast feed, again, right after we wrap up here, you'll be able to hear uh, my full interview with Billy Starks. Um, thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, I will hopefully uh, have your attention as I am running around to L.A. Uh, and uh, I don't have a sign-off. I used to have a sign-off. Uh, what's a good sign-off for House? How are you doing? How did we do? Is that good? Thanks for listening. How did we do? That's terrible. That's it's, like the hor it's pretty horrible. Yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll work on it suggestions i guess we'll just finish with thank you goodbye <laughs> i guess i'll just kind of roll into this because like i'm really excited that you're my first guest because you are like the future of pro wrestling in a lot of ways and i don't mean that to like blow smoke up your butt but you're gonna be around for a really long time now for people that don't like know 
exactly who you are. How old are you, Billy? Um, I recently just turned 18 in December. <laughs> and so you're 18, but you're also the Black Label Pro Champion, right? I am. I currently hold four titles at this moment. <laughs> That's dumb. That's crazy, Billy. Well, I I did get to call one of your matches at Warrior Wrestling one time. So I'm like a blip in the radar of what you've done here in about four years. Um, but I, I just kind of want to know a little bit more about you. I, I mean, you've been in this for four years. So did you start when you're like 14? Did I get that right? So I actually start, started when I was 13 in 2018. Okay. So how do you at 13 decide you want to become a pro wrestler and like get parental approval to kind of do that, I guess? So uh, it all kind of happened by accident. I always said that I wanted to be a pro wrestler and um, I was around wrestling a lot before I even turned 13. Um, I was doing wrestling photography with my dad, just traveling to different states and doing that. Oh, Um, cool. Then I was shooting photography for a show local to me called Girl Fight. Um, for Madman Pondo, and then he introduced me to my training school. Yeah, Madman Pondo. He seems like a good person to be getting children into professional wrestling. He's got like a baseball He's bat. He's secretly a sweetheart. He just looks scary. I'm well aware. I've worked with Mad- Madman Pondo many, many times. I So I used to do the Chicago Indies before I retired to do journalism. So like a lifetime before you even started wrestling like i met a lot of them because you're like i think we're the, you're midwest based too right mm-hmm. aren't you yeah so okay i got it so you're that's cool i didn't know your dad was a photographer so like i'm guessing you didn't get like this big blowback when you said you wanted to try this out it sounds like you were actually probably positioned pretty well you had like some supportive folks along for the ride for you doing this thing i was my support system has been like crazy since the beginning both my mom and dad my mom wasn't like very understanding of like what wrestling was. She was like, "Okay, if that's what you want to do, go have fun. Uh, I'll sign the paperwork. Okay. Oh, you need a deposit. Okay." <laughs> and my dad was like, "Okay, this could be fun. Let's see where this goes." So how does how do how do friends your age or people your age react to this? Because like you go from being like a kid, but like wrestling's an adult business. Like you're hanging out with adults all the time. How was it you? trying to relate to friends your own age kind of what you were doing um so like i've had like the same friend group since like the sixth grade so they knew me before and when i started wrestling um and i've always been told i'm more mature than most kids my age um it's just normal (laughs) um but when i like was in middle school everybody kind of knew i didn't really like have to tell anybody everybody kind of just knew about it Um, I went to high school I had like my same friend group and I only really talked to them about like what I had going on with wrestling and like what I was doing for the weekend and now it's kind of like my whole school knows again and everybody's following me and watching everything I'm doing. (laughs) Did teachers ever find out and like show concern or like interest in, in what you were doing or no? So it's kind of been a mixture of things. Uh, my freshman year, this is like how it kind of started to spread that I was the pro wrestler at school. Um, I got like pulled out into the hallway. Uh, my English teacher, she was like, hey, is everything all right at home? I noticed you came in with bruises and stuff. And I was like, 
oh crap she thinks my mom's like beating me at home please don't call cps uh, <laughs> so i showed her videos of my wrestling and explained that's what i was doing and then like slowly more and more people started to figure it out um and then in my career options class i took freshman year she started showing videos of my wrestling during class wow that's crazy and also i totally like as somebody who's worked in like schools and stuff Kid shows up with bruises, you immediately have a lot of questions. Immediately. So that's good on that teacher. I'm glad it got it worked out. So on the other side then, you know, you're getting in, you're like, again, a kid in a world of adults and on, when you're doing pro wrestling stuff, was there ever kind of any, like, weirdness for you, like, in that space or no? Not really, because I always had one or both of my parents traveling with me all the time. So I always had, like, somebody to go to. Um, and with like my photography stuff that I did before pro wrestling, I met a lot of the wrestlers that I was around a lot of the time and at a younger age. So most of the time when I was going to shows in the Midwest, I knew at least somebody on the show that has known me since probably I was like 10. <laughs> sure. Wow. Okay. And so like you get into this and you start to get some momentum and uh, I love Black Label Pro. Uh, great company. I, I did some commentary early on for them and Mikey Blanton, awesome guy. Uh, of course it would be Mikey Blanton that like kind of brings you into the fold, I feel like, and helps elevate you in a way that nobody had really taken a chance on you yet. Am I wrong for saying that or is it just because it's in my periphery because I think it's, it's um, something that I see? So I had like many early opportunities from Mikey that helped me very, very early on in my career. There was a few other advocates like St. Louis Anarchy was doing like really great things for me. And so was Girl Fight Pro Wrestling. Um, both of them really, really helped me like along my journey early on in my career. Okay, cool. Cause like, I guess the moment I'm thinking, cause it's the, the Kylie Ray stuff. Cause I've seen the video of like how emotional it was for you working with Kylie. I didn't know if you wanted to talk about just kind of like what, what that was like for you to kind of get that opportunity to work with her and like what your memories are uh, of that experience, you know? Um, that was one of my first like really, really big matchups for me. <laughs> um, and I love the entire experience. I still think it's one of my best matches today. And I was like, ah, I sucked in that moment for us to still <laughs> put on like the match we put on. I was really, really happy with the end product and the story we were able to tell. Um, but leading up to the match, I like did the seminar that day. I also forgot to eat and only had like a banana before the match. It was really bad. I was like, I need more food. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I ended up like eating crappy pizza that uh Mikey gets us for the shows before the match. And I was like, this is gross. <laughs> um, but I had a really great match with Kylie and it's one of the first matches I remember my dad like afterwards saying he was proud of me um, because it was very hard for me to impress my dad with wrestling. He was like, I'm not telling you you're good until it's good. And I was like, okay, I can take that. <laughs> so like your dad's a photographer and so he's like seasoned to the business, but like, would you start working for like G like BLP's great. Mikey Blanton smiles, rainbows, occasional violence, but you go over to like GCW like, is there a moment where it's just kind of like, this is, I'm, I'm just keep your wits about you. Because it's a, it's a much different, it's a much different environment, I guess, over at GCW. Um, I think my family was very, very prepared for everything that they were going to witness just because of, like, how crazy our area was. We 
like me as a kid, like grew up on IWA Mid South because that's what was in my area. Great. GCW was like, oh yeah, this ain't nothing. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I guess I don't know. Uh, It's just it's it's a different vibe over there with your mom kind of being on the fence. I don't know if she's like, yeah, I heard somebody threw a pizza cutter at somebody the other day. That seems like a little out, out of bounds. Um, I definitely freak her out sometimes with the crazy things I do, but I feel like she's became well-adjusted to the wrestling. <laughs> she so prefers you... the marketing side of wrestling. Good. Well, uh, you know, you've got the Billy Starks brand. It's, it's been great. You've been very well-marketed until this point. And, you know, with the GCW stuff, do you like the deathmatch stuff or do you do you do you do you want to do that? Or do you watch that and go, that's silly. I this is this is I prefer to do something other than to cut myself up. Um, so I've always been a huge fan of deathmatch wrestling. I don't yeah. know if I could do it myself. Um, we'll see if like the opportunity ever presents itself. I don't know if it is for me in the future or not. Um, but I will definitely say it's super entertaining and I have a lot of friends who do it. Um, uh, there has been times where I'm like, okay, this is too far. Um, cause I've seen a lot of nasty cuts and some people get up real real messed up but other times i'm like oh my god that was an amazing match you guys killed it killed each other in the process <laughs> uh but i i have a i have a love for deathmatch wrestling secretly okay cool well that terrifies me um uh, but good for you that's wonderful uh and so like you i mean like again you, you've been very versatile you, you've done a lot of matches I'm looking over your cage match it's like four pages long at this point You've worked with a lot of people now, too. I mean, Willow Nightingale. Uh, I saw Elena Black, right, on the list, who's now Cora Jade in WWE. Are you yourself, and we'll get to the AEW stuff here, which is obviously a big thing, but are you yourself starting to feel like a level of confidence, like in what you're doing right now? Do you feel elevated, I guess, in this moment, knowing as much as you've done so far? Um, it's kind of like I feel like I'm on a journey and I'm nowhere near the end. I definitely feel yeah. like I keep growing uh, but I definitely don't think I've reached a height yet or okay. like a stopping point to say that I'm very confident in everything that I'm doing. Okay. Well, I, I say, I asked that because obviously you got a very big call here at the end of, of uh, last year in December, got the chance to go work with uh, AEW, did a couple dark matches with Red Velvet and Brett Baker. Uh, how, how'd that come about? Who helped you get the, get the nod to come in and work? Um, so I actually, uh, tried to talk to AEW before I turned 18 and just sent some messages to be like, Hey, I exist just so you guys know. And they were like, Oh, we know you exist. You just can't work here until you turn 18. And I was like, okay, well I'll just chill here then and keep doing what I'm doing. Um, so then when I did turn 18, Sean actually messaged me, um, about some taping dates and actually the first set of tapings I did where I got to wrestle Brit in red was the week after my 18th birthday. Oh, wow. So your situation's a lot like Nick Wayne's situation, where I don't think Nick is quite yet 18, but he's already kind of got the deal put together where as soon as the the buttons hit, he's going to be into the mix, right? Yeah. yeah. Me and Nick so- have talked about that a lot, of just uh, being excited for like things that are going to come in the future. And he was like, it's weird because you're a little bit older than me, but we're on like the same path. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is like? Uh, there's only so many people that are younger than you at this level. It's really just you and Nick right now. That's got to be a really unique bond that you guys have formed. Um, it's just great to have somebody have the same mindset as me. 
because me and Nick have like a similar viewpoint on wrestling. Um, and it's really, really easy for me to bounce ideas off Nick versus if I went to another wrestler and tried to say the same things, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? And I was like, <laughs> oh, sorry, you don't understand what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so like as somebody who's 18 and again, it's like it's a, it's an adult business. Um, generationally, do you feel like like old people don't always kind of get what you're trying to do sometime or older people? Is that a problem with you or no? Um, I definitely sense that there is a generation gap sometimes, and I've figured out how to, like, move around it uh, the past couple of years. But when I started, I definitely felt like there was times where I was like, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm around <laughs> a bunch of old school, and I want all this new school. <laughs> yeah, because, like, I, you called yourself Space Jesus? Wasn't that what your moniker? I don't yeah. know if you – did you drop that after the Kanye stuff, or are you still Space Jesus? So I've been doing Space Jesus, actually. The Jesus mm -hmm. stuff was, like, something I did as a joke or, like, a parody off of that. Sure. Um, a few, I think, like, a year ago. And, like, everybody just loves that I used it. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, uh, you really screwed it up for everybody there. But that's not what this <laughs> is about. So, anyway, back to AEW. You get the call. You come in here. How different is it working in an environment like that, like a TV production environment? Um, I definitely felt, like, very comfortable. Um, I honestly felt like I should have been more shocked or more uncomfortable in the situation, but it just felt like another wrestling show to me. I was just excited to wrestle new people that I haven't got to wrestle before. Yeah. Because um, I feel like it's hard to have shows on the independence where you're not meeting some of the same opponents over and over again. Yeah, totally. And, you know, Britt Baker you know, arguably has been like the centerpiece of AEW's women's division. I mean, what was your experience like working with her? Did you get any kind of advice uh, or notes after the fact? Um, I honestly had an amazing time wrestling Brit. She was super easy to work with. Uh, and honestly, one of like my favorite matchups I've gotten to do at AEW. I also loved my match with Emmy, um, but I feel like both of the talents really helped me uh, figure out different ways for positioning for TV, how things are supposed to look. Okay, we're going to structure this a little differently because um, I'm a very, like, let's go hard as we can. Let's do everything in this match. And they're like, let's face this out so we can also do more in the future. And I'm like, nah, let's do it all now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the quintessential argument, right, that happens in locker rooms between vets and, and new guys, right? Um, so – you, you do this, you get any, get any feedback from Tony Khan as well, or no? Um, I did have a few conversations with TK. Um, he's loving everything that I'm kind of doing right now. But I swear every time I see him, he looks so busy. And he's always running around trying to get stuff done. So I don't think we've had, like, a proper conversation yet. But it's always been like, a hi, I love everything you're doing. Great job. Runs away. <laughs> well, while AEW or WWE haven't got their hooks in you at, uh, MLW has wisely decided to to bring you into the fold and you got this big match at war chamber i mean mlw is for the first time in their history really trying to you know create a women's division they've got this tv deal with reels uh what's the vibe like over there for you what's it been like for you working with mlw um also just a very comfortable locker room and a lot of the guys that i know are from like the gcw or i have like calvin tankman who i've known forever in the midwest um it's just a really great show 
Um, and I love the opportunity that they gave me to wrestle Taya, which was the first time ever matchup. Um, and I'm also getting the opportunity to wrestle Becca again, which I think is going to be really sick. Yeah. And man, Taya, so much buzz around her constantly. Like even just the past week, she had to like tamp down more rumors about what she's going to be doing next. You know? Mm -hmm. Well, Uh it's wrestling. What can you expect? (laughs) Well, on that note, obviously, you know, we've seen you in AEW, but you know, WWE has really had their finger on the pulse with with young, you know, women wrestlers as well down at NXT. I, I would imagine you got to be looking over at that and chomping at the bit to be working with some of the women they got going on over there right now. I completely agree because I've been talking to Roxy and keeping up with Elena and even Shotzi, like everything that's going on there and the amazing talent they have and the training. Um, I think everything that WWE has going on right now is phenomenal and what they're doing for the women is great. Yeah, and have they reached out to you? Is there any tryouts or anything on the horizon? Have you been in or anything like that or no? We will see in the next couple of months, but I got to finish high school first. I don't graduate till May. What? You're 18? I thought you were done. You're not? You got more school to no, go this still? this is my senior year. Everybody thinks I'm done already. And I was like, no, I've still been in high school for the last like a couple of years (laughs) wow okay well i don't want to say this is the first time i've interviewed a high schooler i interviewed one of the kids from master chef junior but (laughs) you're definitely one of the youngest people i've interviewed in professional wrestling that's for sure uh well billy i I just want to thank you so much for taking the time i really just enjoyed watching you kind of blow up you know again i've in a lot of places i've seen the billy starks brand but uh just been kind of waiting to have a moment to chat with you and pick your pick your brain and find out a little bit more about you um where do you want to send people to support you uh, as you continue to blow up in the pro wrestling world? Um, all of my social media is at Billy Starks, B-I-L-L-I-E, and then Starks is S-T-A-R-K-Z, and that's on all platforms. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.